Today's reading is from Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 31. Jacob, Jacob wrestled with God. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man said, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and humans have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. This is the word of God for the people of God. Welcome to our Bible study conversation, our reflection on Sunday for Tuesday, August the 5th. My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis, and it is a, a blessing to be able to once again uh, discuss with you through the scripture in Genesis about Jacob's wrestling match with the angel overnight and the the effort, the perseverance, the struggle of of staying and uh, and in, in interaction, staying in works, uh, just seeing things through till the morning, even with the dislocated hip and and moving moving forward through it all. I I spent some time at the end of the sermon, and I want to um, spend some more time on this today in our Bible discussion. I want to talk about the. I want to differentiate between uh, two concepts of works works based salvation and uh, grace based salvation, and have that conversation through with you. Now, if you if you review, if you had the opportunity to watch the the sermon uh, from August second. Uh, we had the opportunity to kind of review, uh, look at an idea that I presented of Jacob doing, being involved, of the work that went into Jacob receiving a blessing from this angel. Now, in the presentation, there's two ways that that could be received. And one way, because of the work, the effort, the overnight, the the lifetime as I presented it, not looking at it in an eight-hour period, but looking at it in a lifetime. This lifetime of effort and work, even with a thorn in our side, such as a, a dislocated hip, that we have a place of, of involvement moving towards this receiving of grace. Now, if you look at that in, at one level, that definitely sounds like is definitely being presented as a, a works-based foundation. 
It's what I do. It's what I put into. It's it's the path that I follow that makes salvation possible, that makes the gifts of grace possible. I realize I, I very much presented that idea in the very opening moments of the sermon this past week. There's a differentiation in that, too. It's in the grace-based uh, idea of of receiving blessings, the grace-based salvation. And the grace-based salvation is something that we can't earn, we, we can't work enough to get or receive. It's something that's done by Christ and provided to us. And the only source of that grace is the actions of Christ and not the actions of the individual. Christ has done something that we are responding to. And the grace-based salvation is Christ has gone to the grave, death, burial, and resurrection for the salvation of all. And it's something that's there, and there's nothing we can do to earn it. It's there because of the actions and merits of Jesus Christ. I'm going to look at both of those today because what I believe in is a grace-based salvation. If you look at the the laying out of the Wesleyan understanding of grace, we understand provenient grace. It's a grace that exists for us before we know that God exists. It's there. Without without cost or, or price, it's there. Even before we can proclaim the name of Christ, it's there. Now, we move into justifying grace, and we look at justifying grace as us responding to what God is providing. Justifying grace is the way that we acknowledge the presence of Christ, and we respond to that presence in such a way that we are intentionally interacting with it. And then we move into the third uh, stage, which is sanctifying grace or sustaining grace, which is we we are so attuned to the presence of the Holy Spirit, we're just connected to God without even thinking about it. I want to look at all those things because based on the way that we describe it, based on the way we work through it, depending on how that it's being received by the person we are teaching, uh, by the person that we're explaining it to, it can be received in a works-based salvation idea, and it can be received in a grace-based salvation idea. Now, I want to look at all of that as we look at the scripture once again. Yes, Jacob was in physical conflict with this angel overnight. Jacob was physically hindered uh, throughout that conflict, but it is because of Jacob's perseverance through the conflict that Jacob was able to receive something. He was able to receive the grace and the blessings. So let's break that down. Let's break it down in the way that it, that message can be received or, or misconceived. One way, looking at it, it's the actions of Jacob, his perseverance, seeing it through. There could be a rebuttal of, of works-based salvation in this idea because Jacob 
stuck to it. Jacob saw it through, and Jacob was the one who was rewarded the blessing in the morning. And it was Jacob that had to let the angel go so that he could receive the blessing. Now, he received it because he let him go, because he went through this conflict throughout the night. And that's where someone who wanted to hear this scripture through the idea of a works-based salvation would say it was the actions of Jacob that were being rewarded, and that's where the blessing came from. But then I want to come back at that idea with the grace base. You know, Jacob's actions didn't make the blessings possible. Jacob's actions did not create the blessings. So if you look at it from the idea that there was something being provided to him, no matter what Jacob did, no matter the perseverance of Jacob, Jacob didn't produce the grace. The grace was there to be received. So looking at this through an eyes of a grace-based interaction, yes, Jacob was a dedicated to seeing the night through. Jacob worked hard to follow the path of seeing the night through. But it wasn't Jacob seeing the night through that created the existence of this blessing, this grace that he received. It was there, and Jacob's actions were something responding to that grace so that it would be a part of his life. Let's look at this explanation that I just gave you as we break down the, the tenets of Wesleyan grace again. And I have to jump ahead to the second level of grace, justifying grace that is within this. And I just shared with you in two tones. I shared with you on the tone that an individual that would uh, express and force uh, a works-based salvation, how that they would see the conflict between Jacob and the angel. I shared with you how a person that existed within a grace-based mindset of, uh, of this conflict between Jacob and the angel um, refers to it. I want to use two other scriptures and tie it into this idea of Wesleyan justifying grace to propose, one, how an individual with works-based ideas of salvation would justify that idea through these two scriptures and how I feel my my theology my understanding of a grace-based interaction through justifying grace of how that there's something that's there that we are responding to our actions don't create the grace but there's something there that we are responding to and because of that response, we find our connection to that grace. There's two scriptures that I grew up hearing over and over again uh, as we used to go on soul-winning visitation on Tuesday nights uh, growing up. And there's two scriptures that I heard shared over and over again. There's two scriptures that I've, I saw in so many gospel tracts that we gave out hoping to touch someone's heart so a seed could be planted uh, for a new soul to experience the blessings of salvation through Jesus Christ. 
The first is the universal Bible verse. So it's the one that most people know whether they go or they're active at church or not. It's John 3.16. Now, in many cases, I have not allowed myself to just quote John 3.16, but I always have to add John 3.17, but John 3.17 does not fit into the discussion that I want to have. So I'm going to break one of my own codes and my own rules and, and just quote John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, let's look at that scripture through this lens of works-based and grace-based salvation. If there's responsibilities that an individual has to have to earn salvation, the, the rationale that someone within the theology of a works-based salvation would say that it is the individual that earns salvation through Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The actions of professing the faith, the actions of, of responding to Christ's gift of salvation, the actions of proclaiming uh, the belief that Jesus Christ was dead, buried, and rose again. It's the actions that produce the salvation for whosoever believeth in him. That is the works-based rationale in that. But if you look at the grace-based uh, ideal of interacting with Christ, that there's something there that we don't create, but it's something there that we are responding to. The grace is that there's something that's already been created that's ours to respond to. Our, our calling out of Christ's name doesn't create salvation. It's just us responding to something that God is handing back. For whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life becomes this promise. That there is something that is pre-existing that we can respond to so that we can celebrate our connection to a God that is wi willingly giving us something that we cannot do for ourselves. The other Bible verse that, that I uh, heard so many times was Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And shalt believe in thine heart that God raises him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Again, the rationale of a works-based ideal is it's the actions of belief, and it's the actions of the confession that produces the opportunity of salvation for the individual. It's the actions of believing. It's the actions of confession that makes the gift of salvation possible for the individual. That's the works-based. Now, the grace-based in that scripture 
once again turns around that we are not creating this salvation by our act by our actions but we are responding to we are responding to the salvation that was created by Jesus Christ now I just I just stopped for a minute one of the unique blessings of of recording this uh, these Bible studies on the phone is sometimes texts pop up and they catch my attention and they confuse me very quickly so excuse me for that short uh, glitch there but it's the responding to something that's already pre-existing salvation is not made by our belief it's not made by our confession salvation is something that we are responding to I've heard that done so many times and I've heard that shared in so many different ways that I've heard the rationale of the works-based salvation that would say that it was Jacob's work and his overnight perseverance that gave him, that created this blessing, this grace that's provided to him at the end of the conflict. But the reality is that grace was always there, it was always existed. And Jacob, seeing things through, even through the pain and the trial, made it possible for him to interact with something, one, he did not create, and two, that was there and given to him. I want to look through that through another lens because as I share this ideal with you, and this is something I also uh, presented in the sermon this past Sunday, as I present this ideal to you, I don't think that grace is something that we should take for granted. And I don't think that we can walk around and do nothing and just say that Jesus Christ has given this to me. I do feel, as I shared on the Sunday morning service, that there is a necessity to interact with the grace. We're not working to make grace possible, but we're working to willingly interact with grace. And that goes back to our two scriptures. In John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's the whosoever believeth in him is our interaction with the grace that we don't make, that we respond to. It is uh, Romans 10.10, 10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The grace of salvation is not made by the individual, but it is being interacted with. I feel that there is a crucial, crucial necessity that we are constantly looking for ways to interact with grace. I feel that it is crucially important that we actually move to this level, attempt to move to this level of sustaining grace, of sanctifying grace, that we are constantly interacting with grace as our inner core being. Because when we reach this point that it's our inner core being, we can celebrate that it's nothing that we are working to create, but it is a creation that's outside of us that we are interacting with and celebrating. 
that's this whole deal with Jacob's wrestling match with the angel overnight. Jacob is interacting in a process that makes the blessings that he receives that much more pertinent, that much more beautiful, and that much more meaningful. He's not producing the grace, but he's interacting it with it in such a level that it becomes meaningful and it becomes a part of his identity. When we're willing to move to a place, and this is this is something that that I have fumbled through in my life. When I hear the Apostle Paul. Uh, say that he is a prisoner to the gospel, there's times that I have found myself making myself a prisoner to the gospel because I'm trying to work and create something that I don't have to work to create. It's something that was already created by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that makes it possible that we just need to interact with something outside of ourselves so that we can receive the blessings of something outside of us. And through the grace of the thing that we can't create, but we can receive, we find this place of peace and comfort in a sanctifying, sustaining relationship with grace. I want us to think about those things. I want us to think about those things because it there's a freedom that comes when we finally get to places where we realize that Jesus gave it all. Jesus did it all. And Jesus makes grace so possible that we, we can't create it. We shouldn't try to create it. But we have to willingly and open-heartedly respond to it. I want us to hold on to those ideas, those prayers, and that reality. At the end of every week, we, we do the three questions, and I'll, I'll propose to you the three questions. I The first question is this, and it's a reality. How, where are the places that we're putting too much effort into what Christ has already taken care of? Where are the places that we are working to prove that we deserve something that Christ has already provided for us? Where where are those places? Where has a works-based theology stepped in that makes life a little bit harder for us than it needs to be? The second question, very simple, is how do we push ourselves to realize as we have a prevenient grace that's there for us, and we don't even need to know who God is to receive this grace. What is the places that, in justifying grace, we're not making grace possible, we're responding to a grace that's already there. And how do we get to the places of sustaining or sanctifying grace that we are just so moving side by side with grace that exists outside of us that we are in places of peace and comfort. Where where are those places? How do we get to the place that we are responding to something outside of us? And then, 
as always, is the third question. How do we pass it on? How do we help others realize that there's something outside of themselves that they just need to respond to? Hold on to all those things. Thank you for uh, listening to me process this again. Uh, My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis. God is love. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. We'd like to have the opportunity to get to know you. Please email us at ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And if you've been enjoying our services online, please email us. Please say hello. Again, that's ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And also, if you'd like to give to our church, please go to northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Again, that's northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Thank you for joining us.